0: Welcome to Episode 6 in the AIC Seasonal Video Series, Trinity Tide, The Teaching Season. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church. The focus in Episode 6 is the Collect Epistle and Gospel Readings for the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th Sundays after Trinity. Previously in this series, in episode 1, parts 1 and 2, my focus was on the history of Trinity season, the relationship between Whitsunday Pentecost and Trinity Sunday and season, the collects, canticles, epistle, and gospel readings for Whitsuntide and Monday and Tuesday in Whitsun week. In episode 2, the focus was on Trinity Sunday and the first and second Sundays after Trinity. In episode three, the focus shifted to the third through the fifth Sundays after Trinity. And in episode four, moving on to the sixth through the eighth Sundays after Trinity. And finally, in episode five, shifted to the ninth through eleventh Sundays after Trinity. In episodes two through five, I mentioned a selection of the eleven. Hymns to the Holy Trinity in the AIC bookstore publication, the St. Chrysostom Hymnal. The illustration is a circa 1420 A.D. tempera and gilt on panel icon by the renowned Russian icon painter Andrei Rublyov. Originally painted for the iconostasis at the Holy Trinity Cathedral at the Monastery of St. Sergius, Sergei Posad, Russia. The collect for the 12th Sunday after Trinity is based upon the Gelasian sacramentary, but with a rewording on the final line from Archbishop Cranmer's 1549 prayer book text, which was introduced for the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. Like the collects for 1st, 3rd, and 10th Sundays after Trinity, the subject is prayer with more of the frequent references to the attributes of God Almighty, everlasting, generously merciful, forgiving, and the source of all good things. Almighty and everlasting God, who art always more ready to hear than we to pray, and art wont to give more than either we desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of thy mercy, Forgiving us those things whereof our conscience is afraid, and giving us those things which we are not worthy to ask, but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord. The illustration is a detail of Jesus healing the sick, an 1866 engraving by Gustav Doré from his new illustrations for the Vulgate Bible. The epistle reading for 12th Sunday after Trinity moves along in the canonical order of the New Testament, based on the Gelasian sacramentary model, with the first reading in Trinity season from St. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. In verse 5, St. Paul speaks the central doctrine used in the collect for 9th Sunday after Trinity added in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer that mankind, quote, can do, do no good thing without thee. He writes, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. He compares the Old Covenant or Testament in the prayer book text to the New drawing a comparison to the old law written in stone and given to Moses, whose shining countenance could not be looked upon, and the righteousness of the new covenant granted through the life-giving Spirit. The pericope ends with a question in verse 8b, which he then answers in verse 9, here using the New King James text. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious, For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. The illustration is a Munich-style stained-glass window depicting a fierce-looking St. Paul holding a book and a sword at an Anglican church in Norfolk, England. The Gospel reading for Twelfth Sunday after Trinity is Mark 7. Verses 31 to 37, Jesus and the disciples have traveled from the Mediterranean coast near Tyre and Sidon and have crossed the Sea of Galilee to the Decapolis, or ten cities in New Testament Greek, on the eastern shore of the sea, a predominantly Gentile territory. The time is the middle of 29 AD, the second year of Jesus' public ministry. In verse 32, the disciples have brought to Jesus a deaf man with a speech impediment and urged him to help. The manner of the healing, unique in the Gospels, is described in verses 33 and 34, again using the New King James text. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, then looking up to heaven. He sighed and said to him, that is, be opened. St. Mark records in verse 35 that the restoration of the man's hearing happened immediately, a favorite word in St. Mark's Gospel, and that he could thereafter speak clearly. The final two verses, 36 and 37, are excellent examples of St. Mark's terse, to the point style with the final verse, an allusion to the Isaiah prophecy that God would come, and when he did, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, from Isaiah 35.5. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The illustration is again Jesus healing the sick and engraving by Gustave Doré for his 1866 A.D. edition of an illustrated version of St. Jerome's Vulgate Bible. A companion edition, often called Doré's English Bible, was published in the English language in London. The Collect for 13th Sunday after Trinity is another adapted from the Gelasian sacramentary by Archbishop Cranmer with changes made in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. The themes are similar to those in the Collect for 11th Sunday after Trinity concerning the worthiness to receive God's promise, that is, of treasure in heaven. The word laudable in the preamble comes from the Latin verb laud, which means to praise, and here means to be worthy of praise. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it cometh, that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service, grant we beseech thee that we may so faithfully serve thee in this life, that we fail not finally to attain thy heavenly promises through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The illustration is the Good Samaritan, a 19th century stained glass window at the Basilica of Our Lady of the Assumption, or Church of St. Eutrope, Clermont-Ferrand, France. The parable of the Good Samaritan is the gospel reading for 13th Sunday after Trinity. The epistle reading for 13th Sunday after Trinity, Galatians 3, verses 16 to 22, is the first reading in Trinity season from the next book in the canonical order of the Pauline epistles, based upon the Gelasian sacramentary model. It is a short history in the relationship of mankind with God, evolving from the promise to Abraham and his seed in verse 16, to the law granted 430 years later, owing to the unrighteous behavior of the people, described in verses 17 and 19. And finally, to faith in Christ, who is the mediator rather than the angel seen, referred to in verse 19. Many Anglican prayers refer to Christ as, quote, our only mediator and advocate. St. Paul summarizes the evolution in the final verse in the pericope, which is verse 22. But the scripture has confirmed all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. As is often the case, the end of the pericope is not the end of the thought. In fact, verses 23 to 26, which immediately follow, are essential for a fuller understanding, and I recommend that you read them. The illustration is a stained glass window showing St. Paul being warned by Agabus of his impending arrest from Acts 21, verses 10 and 11 at St. Mary Abbott's Church, Kensington neighborhood in London, England. The window was likely installed after a renovation of the church in 1872 AD. The Gospel reading for 13th Sunday after Trinity is Luke 10, verses 23 to 37, which includes the parable of the Good Samaritan, another unique parable in the Gospel of St. Luke. The audience was the disciples and a group of Jews who had followed Jesus' travel in the Holy Land, including at least one lawyer. Eastern Church scholars believe the event most likely took place somewhere in Judea, late in 29 A.D. after the Feast of Tabernacles, which is celebrated in October. The illustration is a detail of the parable of the Good Samaritan in silver on purple-dyed parchment, a common technique at the time from the Rossano Gospels, an illuminated New Testament, one of the oldest which survives today, Created in the 6th century by the victorious Byzantine Empire after its recapture of Italy, it is now at the Cathedral of Rossano in Rossano, Italy. The Byzantine artist inserted an angel not described in St. Luke's text but as a symbol of the presence of Christ in the heart and mind of the Good Samaritan. The text consists of two main parts. The first part, which itself appears in two parts, separated by the actual parable of the Good Samaritan, is a question-and-answer dialogue between Jesus and a man St. Luke identifies as a lawyer, who asks in verse 25, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' answer in verse 27 Quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 5, and Leviticus 9, verse 8. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. A second dialogue in verses 36 and 37 follows the parable, and we'll talk about that in a moment. The illustration is the Good Samaritan, an oil on canvas in the academic art style of the late 19th century by the French artist Aimé Moreau, painted in 1880 A.D. from the collection of the Petit Palais in Avignon, France. After the dialogue, Jesus tells a parable in which there are eight symbolic figures, Jerusalem. The holy city and starting point, Jericho, a place known for worldly rather than religious living, and the traveler's destination, the traveler attacked and left for dead on the road to Jericho, the priest who crossed to the other side of the road, the Levite who looked briefly, then likewise crossed to the other side of the road, the Samaritan who first bandaged the man's wounds, loaded him onto his own horse, and took him to the inn the innkeeper who took the man in and accepted the word of the Samaritan that he would come back to pay any additional costs, and finally the inn itself, a place of refuge. The illustration is another detail, this time showing the Samaritan putting the wounded traveler on his horse and paying the innkeeper from the Rosano Gospels a 6th century Byzantine style illumination of the Gospel of St. Luke at the Cathedral of Rosano, or Rosano, Italy. I will have more to say in a moment about the symbolism of the figures. After the end of the parable, in verse 36, Jesus and the lawyer engage in a second dialogue that completes the exchange from the opening verses of the pericope. Jesus, whom the lawyer calls teacher, or rabbi in the King James and prayer book texts, asked the lawyer his own question. So which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The lawyer answered in verse 37a, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him in 37b, go and do likewise. Here, as with The Healing of the Ten Lepers, read on the following Sunday, it was the hated Samaritan and not the priest or the Levite who knew what was right. The illustration, The Good Samaritan, is an opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper by James Tissot, painted between 1886 and 1894 A.D. and in the collection of the Brooklyn Museum. The Carlite for 14th Sunday after Trinity is another adapted from the Gelasian Sacramentary, with changes made in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. The reference to faith, hope, and charity is derived from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 13. Love is a constant theme, as it was in the parable of the Good Samaritan read on the previous Sunday. The New King James Version and virtually all modern translations read Faith, Hope, and Love. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we, we may obtain that which Thou dost promise. Make us to love that which Thou dost command, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The illustration is a detail of The Healing of the Ten Lepers, an opaque watercolor over graphite on gray wove paper, part of the series In the Life of Christ by French artist James Tissot, painted between 1886 and 1894 A.D. from the collection of the Brooklyn Museum. The healing is the subject of the Gospel reading for 14th Sunday after Trinity. The epistle for the 14th Sunday after Trinity, Galatians 5, verses 16 to 24, progresses through the canonical epistles of St. Paul to Galatians chapter 5, again, chapter 5, verses 16 to 24, another of St. Paul's essays on law versus spirit and his discussion of the human battle against passions, also known as lusts. He offers a list of 17 works of the flesh, unquote, in verses 19, 21, and 22, 20, and 21, which are contrary to the Spirit, and afterward lists nine actions which are described as fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 and verse 23a, including love, joy, and peace, concluding with this in verses 23b and 24, Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The illustration is St. Paul preaching on Areopagus Hill, an oil on canvas by Raphael, painted in 1515 A.D. in the collection of the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, England. Areopagus Hill is in Athens. The Gospel reading for the 14th Sunday after Trinity, Luke 17, verses 1 to 19, is St. Luke's unique account of the healing of ten lepers. Jesus and the disciples, traveling somewhere in Samaria and Galilee, enter a village and encounter a group of ten lepers, who, as the law required, stood afar off in verse 12b. The time is early in 30 AD, the third and final year, Of Jesus's earthly ministry the lepers knowing who Jesus was called out to him Jesus master have mercy on us Jesus healed them and sent them on the way to the priests whose authority he did not wish to challenge only one a Samaritan returned to kneel give thanks and glorify God according to verses 15 and 16 As in the account of the parable of the Good Samaritan in the reading for 13th Sunday after Trinity, only the Samaritan did what was right. The illustration is a full view of James Tissot's watercolor rendering of the scene from the collection of the Brooklyn Museum. St. Luke reports in verse 17 and 18, Jesus' observation, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God? In the final verse of the Pericope, verse 19, Jesus speaks only to the thankful Samaritan. Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The Collect for 15th Sunday After Trinity is another adapted from the Gelasian sacramentary, and again with changes made in the 1662 Book of Common Prayer to restore a phrase which Archbishop Cranmer omitted from the 1549 Book of Common Prayer, the phrase being from all things hurtful. Prayer book historian Massey Shepherd noted that it is similar to the collect for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, which is derived from the earlier. Leonine Sacramentary. Keep, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with thy perpetual mercy, and because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fall, keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The illustration is mammon an illustration from Jacques-Auguste Simon Colin de Plancy's Dictionnaire Infernal, published in France in 1863 A.D. The conflict between God and Mammon is the subject of the Gospel reading for 15th Sunday after Trinity. The Epistle reading for 15th Sunday after Trinity, Galatians 6, 1, 11 to 18, is an essay by St. Paul on the conflict between the Judaizers who insisted upon circumcision and the larger body of the church, which he calls in verse 16, the Israel of God. St. Paul again mentions his own suffering for defending the cross and ends with a benediction, explaining the irrelevance of the argument over circumcision with the following words in verses 15 and 16. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. The illustration is St. Paul preaching at Ephesus, an oil on canvas by Eustache LaSueur in 1649 A.D., I believe that's La Suere, in the collection of the Louvre, Paris, France. The Gospel reading for 15th Sunday after Trinity, Matthew 6, verse 24 to 34, is St. Matthew's long-form account of Jesus' sermon on the conflict between God and Mammon. In St. Matthew's version, the event took place somewhere near Capernaum around the time of the Sermon on the Mount, early in 28 AD, near the start of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Essentially, the same reading, without the first two sentences, is the Gospel reading for Thanksgiving Day, a collect which is unique to the American 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The pericope begins in verse 24 with Jesus' general warning that no one can serve two masters and his specific reference to God versus mammon. The word mammon is used only twice in the New Testament by St. Matthew and St. Luke in Luke 16 verse 13. It comes from an Aramaic word Mammonus, generally meaning wealth but there are similar words with similar meanings both in Hebrew and in Greek. In the early church, there were several interpretations, the most common being money or wealth. The next most popular is the secular non-religious world in general. And finally, the third interpretation advocated by St. Gregory of Nyssa in the 4th century, the devil himself, consistent with St. Peter's warning in the epistle reading for third Sunday after Trinity, being 1 Peter 5, verse 8. The illustration is an oil on canvas painted circa 1909 by English artist Evelyn de Morgan from the collection of de Morgan Center in London, England. Mammon is shown in the medieval form as a seated deity. Jesus elaborates with his caution against excessive worrying about earthly needs, such as clothing or food or the body, making a comparison with the birds of the air and the grass of the fields. His reference to Gentiles in verse 32 means the non-Christian population. His summary, variations on which appear in nearly all the collects in Trinity season in reference to a caring, merciful, and everlasting God is found in the final verse, verse 34. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The theme music for this series, Reginald Heber's hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, was written in 1827 AD and is ably played for us on his church organ by Richard M.S. Irwin and is available for download from his new dedicated web address, https colon slash slash play. Dot hymns without words dot com. i thank richard for granting permission for its use the anglican internet church offers many other resources which are available 24/7 on our website www.anglicaninternetchurch.net for words used in the Colics and epistles and gospel readings in this episode the AIC publication Layman's lexicon includes a discussion of covenant on pages 51 to 52, faith on pages 73 and 74, hope on pages 112 to 115, kingdom or kingdom of God on pages 127 to 129, love and loving on pages 138 and 139, mediator on pages 143 to 144, Parable on pages 161 to 162. Righteous slash righteousness on pages 187 to 188. Salvation on pages 195 to 196. And wisdom on pages 238, 239, and 240. Layman's Lexicon, like all our books, is accessible using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage at www. Anglican Internet Church. They can also be ordered by title from commercial bookstores. In the podcast homil- On the podcast homilies page are my links for homilies for 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th Sundays after Trinity in which I explore the Epistle and Gospel readings in greater detail than in this episode. On the Bible study page in the Bible study series New Testament Gospels From the Gospel of Saint Mark in Episode nine, I explore Jesus' miracles, specifically the healing of the deaf man, as Saint Mark presents them in the context of his power over speech and sight, the first of three such demonstrations of Jesus' divinity. From the Gospel of Saint Luke, the parable of the Good Samaritan is discussed in episode seventeen. As I do in the podcast homily for thirteenth Sunday after Trinity, I elaborate upon the early church understanding of each of the eight symbolic figures I mentioned earlier in the parable. On the digital library page, under the category of seasonal videos, I explore several key theological words used in this episode in the series, The Twelve Days of Christmas. On the first day, December 25th, the theme word is love. On the 5th day, December 27th, the theme word is Peace. On the 5th day, December 29th, the key word is Obedience. On the 11th day, January the 4th, the key word is Glorifying God. And finally, 12th day, January 5th, Grace and Faith. Finally, other AIC resources include a Father Ron's blog page. and on which I post new information, usually weekly, generally including at least one graphic from our archive of historic church art from both the Western and Eastern church traditions. You can access the page by clicking the Father Ron's blog tab from the site menu, which you will find either at the top or, as shown on the slide, the bottom of the homepage. Once you are on the blog page, I invite you to become a follower by clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church Legend, which is placed in a box below my picture as shown on the screen on the far right side of the page. You'll be asked to enter your email address to receive notice of each new posting from our site host, WordPress.com. Thank you for joining me for Episode 6 in Trinity Tide, The Teaching Season. Next time in Episode 7, the focus will be on the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th Sundays after Trinity. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.